We live in a world where there is noise coming from every single second. The algorithms, you know, favor companies that are continuously pumping on their platform. People are very anxious about this subject matter. So these, all these new apps coming. There's going to be one every couple of years. Exactly. So you better fucking get to know it. Holy smoke, Jake. <laughs> you just brought the heat. It's not about time. It's about when you're ready to add value to the platform, you go guns blazing. Just show Just everything. Just show everything. Everything. And that's, that's what we the did. Keyword. And so people everything. really started getting interested. But they're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, people are like, <laughs> what are you guys doing? I'm Jake the Rover. My life goal is simple. WWE star called Mr. America. My name is Leslie Carls. My nickname is The Panda. And I run this ship. Nick Just Nick. Can I get a midday squares? Midday Squares Uncensored, the podcast. You know what it is. We talk about family business, entrepreneurship, chocolate, and whatever fucks are on our mind. As always, middaysquares.com slash podcast questions if you guys have any questions. More importantly, today's show, we're going to get into talking about how honestly doing less is more. Yeah, that's a big motto of mine. But before so, we have Jake, a.k.a. The Rover, back in the studio. So today's roundtable, before we get into the show, might be a little bit longer, but you guys like the jargon anyway, so stick with us. Jake, you're wearing a Texas t-shirt. You you came back. You're, re- you're reading the Matthew McConaughey book. Babe, I've already finished the map. You've already finished the map. Green lights, by the way. Tell us about Texas. Uh, Where were you? What were were you doing? No, so I think what's even more crazy about my trip is that I traveled through four different time zones. I think that's the coolest thing within three weeks. No, think about that. You go from Eastern to Central, Central to Mountain, Mountain to Pacific. No one realizes the jip it has mentally on your system. 100%. No, no. I start mixing up meeting time, start missing all my meetings because my calendar was booked in Eastern. The calendar fucks you up. Google calendar. They don't get that. They don't get it. And then they asked you to switch and then I had to switch and then it wasn't switching for the big calendar but then for the phone one it was I was going wild that was a struggle that was energy but overall the trip was incredible the weather was beautiful the people are amazing Texas people the southern hospitality out there I everyone's got to go experience it they welcome you they ask how they can help you before they ask what they want from you which I think is is something that you don't see all the time so you see the genuineness and I was kind of shocked at first, I was like, what does this person want? You know, like, why right. are they Why are they being so nice? I was skeptical. Yeah, you're but, almost, your guard goes up, they're so nice. Guard. But then someone told me that the Southern hospitality is, is something that's actually known globally. Right. Is the people out there are just nice. They're nice people. And I met... I met one of our team members for the first time and the first one to ever meet her, Madison. And I met her family. They're Shout incredible. out, Madison. Shout out, Madison. She, she works on Nick's team on the software side. But... Her family is absolutely wild. The kids are gorgeous. The yeah, kids are wild. Yeah, yeah, they run yeah. around the restaurant. And I don't know, the whole trip was just, it was amazing. You were also in like th- incredibly different states, vibes. How was that? That's a that's a mindfuck. It's tough. It was tough. So the different cultures from state to state was very different. So from coronavirus rules to just how people interact, um, very different. Texas is opposite to California. Um, but you have a lot of people from California moving to Texas. So it's kind of integrating. And um, no, it was a bit crazy because you land in Texas, you can go work out in gyms inside, you can go eat in restaurants inside, but then you go to California, it's the exact opposite. And you got to play with the systems that you're going. So when you book all these meetings, whether it's buyers, investors, um, you know, just ambassadors or endorsement deals that you want to do, 
you've got to play with the game that their culture is because they're used to something and we're used to something. That's the number one thing I think people really don't understand about the United States is like, it's not just a single country. It's multiple countries within a country almost. It's crazy. It, it, dude, with a flight, flight of an hour, you're Things in a completely change. different thing. And I think that was really cool. But the most important overall arc of, this, of the trip was that Midday Squares is going to blow up there. And, you know, there's a set made for the, part, the bars to actually fit. And I think that's super, super important because we don't need to go pioneer like we did in Canada mm-hmm. in the retail game to go say, we need this space here. We need to go put it there. We have to have this discussion. That discussion gets led to that bureaucracy. No, it's very simple. There's room for Midday Squares. There's an opportunity. There's a huge gap in the innovation of the set that Midday Squares fits in. So I'm super excited to even be sharing this with you guys because, you know, that road to growth in retail isn't going to be as hard. It's going to be a lot of work, but not as hard to convince. And that's really the, that was the goal of the trip is to understand what retail really needs and how do we grow it. It's and less hard for the retail to get into the fridge. There's one fridge, but it's about building brand awareness, which is the challenge. And here's the only issue that we experienced. The answer we got is Perfect Bar has done an incredible job. Right. Perfect Bar is an incredible brand that pioneered the space. Now, a lot of products me too them. A lot of products came in and copied them and put themselves in the fridge next to them, which which basically what happened with the buyer. I was actually shocked that the buyers took a lot of those products. I couldn't believe it. You know why? Because Perfect Bar is on a tear. So why wouldn't you? You're like, yeah. oh, another one. I'm going to, they're killing it. It's, it was a misconception. So then they all came into this refrigerator. Think about this. And then, and then this year, they all got smashed. They all did negative 40%, negative 50%. You think now the buyers want to take another bar in there? So when we're pitching, the only difficulty that we have now is to explain why we're not one of those Me Too products, Mm -hmm. why we're different. And the truth is we are an innovation. We don't even have to lie about it. But it it was like really interesting to see that, you know, Perfect Bar has done such an incredible job. And then there's so many people trying to tear down that, that perfect job that they're doing and bringing the set down to discourage buyers from being more open to bring in more brands. Good news is we're open for business. <laughs> we're innovating. We're open for business, baby. We're gonna get in those fucking fridges. <laughs> not even a not even a worry in my in my heart. For okay, it. La- last thing before we jump around, you got a you got a book here. It's I, I thought you were gonna bring the Matthew McConaughey book. He had his moment, but I see another Simon Sinek. This is I think your second time reading a Simon Sinek book. I started with the the start with why. In phenomenal book, really goes deep in, but I do want to mention the Matthew McConaughey book because it was phenomenal. Anyone that wants to see perspective on different things, he's been through incredible, incredible experiences that you wouldn't believe, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give the, the experiences I don't want to. Go out there and read it. It took me three days to get through 291 pages. Three days, I was deadly addicted, deadly addicted to the book. Insane. And it's nothing to do with business. It's just perspective on life and how you view things. This book is really cool because it's called The Infinite Game. And the reason why this is cool is because we're playing in an infinite game right now, not a finite game. And it Mm. talks about, you know, I know you like the leader, Steve Ballmer. Yep. Simon Sinek gives him a zets and a half because he took Mm. Bill Gates's way of infinite thinking to finite goals of quarterly earnings, quarterly this. We got to compare ourselves to Apple, 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 Apple. When they started playing the wrong game, it's not a hockey game where it ends at at this person wins that. How, How about this? I believe this trio sitting at this table is the perfect balance if you took Steve Ballmer and Bill Gates and had a child. If that's, that that's kid, the million dollar question. That kid that would be produced from those two is the trio. That's how <laughs> I really feel about the trio because Ballmer was bold as fuck. 
Bold as fuck, but missed a lot. His armpits were always sweaty. Yeah, but missed a a lot of great points. Les. Yes. Just, just, what is going on? Uh, It's not my morning today. What happened? So I have really bad stiff neck. Like I'm in so much pain. Like this morning, I thought I have to go to the hospital. Like I have shooting pain down my arm. No, no, no. It's every day with you. It's not every day. First of all, I just bought myself a foam pillow (laughs) because I need, I need, what's it called? A uh, memory. uh, A memory. I don't even know. So basically I sleep on my side and I don't, my pillows are like, could be six, seven years old. And so I'm basically not getting the support that my neck and head needs and my spine. Because you have a heavy head. It's a big head. It's a huge head. In fact, it's bigger than both yours um but Jake i has a surprisingly small very beyond small. small i can't wear any of your hats <laughs> no no very small so anyways i have a stiff neck i don't know what i'm gonna do but i'm in a lot of pain currently it's shooting down my arm it's shooting down my spine and you can even see i have marks uh, here hold on nah. wait wait look Come at on, that hold man. on Come i did on. cupping i did since, cupping since you're listening uh she's showing us some well, some red marks on her her chest they look like big tennis balls. I did an extreme cupping session uh, Sunday night. Okay. And <laughs> no one can listen to And this. she no. massaged my pectorials. Uh, okay. And she says, I'm so tense here. So in the shower, she wants me to like massage my breasts upwards to the gland to get the circulation happening. Anyways, I'm in a lot of pain for anybody who cares. Clearly my husband and brother don't care. No. Okay. I'm in a lot of pain, but I'm here doing the show. I'm showing up. But. The beauty is it feels, I have to tell you guys, it feels fucking good to be back in the studio with you three. It's really, uh, there's nothing like the round table. There's nothing like the round table. Yeah. All right. So for, for today's show, we want to get into the lessons more. Les, I think we're going to open with you on this subject, subject matter, because it's something that your department has to deal with a lot. Mm. We live in a world where there is noise coming from every single second. Every day you wake up, there's a new social platform that you should be on, maybe not be on. Um, There's just a lot happening and we're producing content. And content is a very valuable asset. It's very hard to get through. It's very hard to make. And so the problem is, is that all these new platforms that are coming all have different styles of storytelling. Mm. So it's not like you can just focus on one or the other, which creates anxiety. Oh, yeah. I went on LinkedIn. Just this is the inspiration for the show is I went on LinkedIn um, and even my Twitter and I was just reading to get inspired for the show. And I realized people are very anxious about this subject matter. Like, uh, do I what do I do here? Do I go there? How has that been affecting you? No, I feel very passionately about this topic because basically I do feel the pressure every day. So number one, I feel pressure in many different areas. One, to create content every day, to put out content, because the thing is the algorithms, you know, favor companies that are continuously pumping on their platform, using the platform and using it in all the different ways they have to offer. So number first pressure is keeping up with the algorithm, right? And that gives me anxiety. Then there's, you know, what platforms do we need to be on and how quickly do we need to get on them? Right. And there's that pressure of, you know, oh, why don't you have a presence here? Why don't you have a presence there? You guys are so good at content. Why aren't you on these apps? Well, at first I was like, okay, let's recycle the the content and let's, you know, spread it throughout the different social platforms. But then I'm like, why would we recycle our content um, 
you know, maybe not all of our followers are on, if they're on LinkedIn, they're on Instagram. We've already identified that they're not. But no, they're absolutely not. They're absolutely not, but there's some that are, right? And then from the Instagram to TikTok and then from podcasts to Clubhouse and, you know, YouTube and Snapchat and and so on and so forth, right? There's so many amazing social platforms. But my thing is, is I would love to, to, to put out content that speaks to each one of these platforms, like LinkedIn, right? We are recycling our content right there because we can. But even as we develop and we, we get more resources, more people on our team, I even have another vision, for the type of content I want to put on LinkedIn that I know will fucking explode, right? So it's a matter of resources for me, but I do get super anxious on like, okay, should we be on Clubhouse tomorrow? Should we be, right now we've committed to growing our podcast, right? So we're here every day. We don't just show up and just start talking. We prepare the show, which requires time and energy. We're not a social media first company. We are a bar manufacturer at first. And so there is only so many resources we have to put to content creation and media. And as we grow, we're only two and a half years into this business. As we grow, we will have a team for each social platform. But every day I have to say to myself, you know, breathe. You're doing great on this platform. You're slowly expanding this platform. You're using a little bit of recycling on that platform. You know, Jake and Nick are dabbling in Clubhouse a bit. We don't need to put all of the, 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 the turbo jets on and be on every single platform. We absolutely do not. I think know the platform your market is on. Focus on that platform. Don't spread yourself thin. That's my opinion. Content is king. But at the end of the day, you want to put out good content. Why is Midday Square so recognized around North America? Because of our fucking content. We put out different content. We don't put out Me Too content and we don't have a Me Too product, but all that requires innovation, time, energy, and resources. Yeah. I just want to add something. I think a great strategy for anyone out there um, is to go personally and experience the platforms yourself without your business. So for LinkedIn, just to give an example, LinkedIn, we didn't, we were on it for a really long time, not posting anything. And we had like 180 uh, followers on the account of of Midday Squares. Over the last seven months or six months, we went to 4,500. But, but, but it's so funny you brought this up because I was about to caveat. So yeah. there's two things for, the, for, for you that I want to make sure that, that you understand, which is one. Company we, standpoint. No, we're going to get into the anxiety piece. Two, I want to make a caveat to LinkedIn because at the end of the day, we preach all the time that we want to use first principles thinking at Midday Squares. Yep. We didn't give LinkedIn the love of the day because honestly, everywhere I speak to people, everybody's like, LinkedIn's the most useless platform mm-hmm. in the world. And I really took people's like, you know, preaching on that and took it to heart and didn't go test it for myself. And to Jake's point, we literally ignored the fucking platform for how long? Since two, the beginning of the business. Two yeah. years, two years. We ignored it. Tell us a little bit about the beauty of that platform. Okay, but I started, I literally listened to the same people more or less that were telling you that LinkedIn is useless. It's for corporate, 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 but not useful corporate. So for me, I was just like, why would we even go on it? Like, why would we as a company, I was thinking, then I was like, why don't we, we always are trying to build our own brands because we're, we're trying to be superstars and, yeah. and, and that, why not, to be honest? So when I started playing with LinkedIn, I made mistakes. I posted a little bit and I learned that this doesn't really work. People don't engage that. I was starting to the views go from 50 to 100 and then 
a thousand jump. And then I started playing around and understanding what connects with people. And then who am I on LinkedIn? Who is Jake Carls on LinkedIn? Mm-hmm. Who? It's not midday squares. It's who am I? I can use midday squares as a tool to allow me to grow. Once I got comfortable with myself and understanding what worked, I start to understand how the demographics interact, how people cross pollinate on it and how people see other people's content. Right. So then I started applying the content that you've been creating, Leslie, for, for Instagram, for, for TikTok, for other stuff. And I would use it, but I knew the following wasn't the same. So what I did was I just geared the topic to be more added value of what I learned personally Love that. through LinkedIn and applied it. And guess what? Our first post had six likes, one comment on LinkedIn. Yeah, I do six remember likes, that. Six likes, one like. Now we're seeing 100 plus, plus 60 comments, plus thousands of interactions. My last two posts hit almost 50,000. But you see, you had to get to know it yeah. first. And think about it. You were on Instagram how many years ago? Uh, I've been on Instagram for 10 years. And when did Midday Squares Instagram start? Only two and a half. Think about that. Yeah. So these, all these new apps coming, there's going to be one every couple of years. Exactly. <laughs> so you better fucking get to know Holy it. Holy <laughs> smokes, Jake. You just brought the heat. Well, I can't even believe what just happened there. <laughs> no, no, it's actually, it's insane because it's the truth. It literally drives home the show. We were so late to the Instagram party. And what's so funny and the LinkedIn party, LinkedIn's been around since 2004, I think, 2006, you know, who knows, but we were so late to both these platforms and nonetheless, we've still been able to carve out an audience for ourselves. Right, right. So what's really, what's really fascinating for me is, is how everybody has such um, recency bias. And so you came to me not long ago, maybe two weeks ago, and you were talking about TikTok. And how now is easy to build a following. No, Clubhouse. No, TikTok. We're speaking about how it's easier to build a following on TikTok right, right now. Oh, yes, it's not yes, saturated. yes, yes, exactly. And, and the algorithm is, is better than Instagram. And I said to you, babe, Instagram was the same way at the beginning. Right. If we would have been early to Instagram, yeah, maybe we would have had 200,000 followers. Point is, is it doesn't fucking matter. All that fucking matters is that when you come to the table on any platform or any, like for instance, let's say we have CPG as a business and then platforms as another thing. When we entered both, we entered the most saturated market in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What did we do? We brought a value added product, Mm. differentiated, that really uh, stayed true to our promise. Three things. When we showed up, no, but it's the truth. And it resonated. It resonated. With with the group, the people buying our product, us. Right, but I think, I I agree. I think, okay. Let me take the point Take it home, home. take it home. When we showed up to Instagram, what did we do? In a world of where everybody was putting out relatively the same content at that point in time, we showed up with an authentic story, a different way of telling that story, Mm. and a story that people actually cared to follow. Yes, and we built an audience. Exactly. And I think the biggest learning that I've had over the last couple of weeks, because I'm not going to lie, I've been quite anxious with Clubhouse and, you know, speaking to my, you know, management coach and advisor, they're like, oh, you should get on it. You should get on it. And it's like, I'm overwhelmed. I am up to here with just fucking dealing with Instagram and figuring out the other platforms to put out the content Midday Squares put out. It takes time. It takes thought. It takes editing. It takes all this stuff that requires a lot of resources. So after speaking to both of you guys, and you guys saying, 
Les, breathe. We're going to go on it when you're ready to go on it. We're going to do our own thing. Like you said, we're going to do our own trial and error personally. Made me feel really good because you guys are right. It's not about time. It's about when you're ready to add value to the platform, you go guns blazing. Today, I don't feel like I'm ready to add value to those platforms. I'm still figuring out TikTok and what does TikTok mean for midday squares? We're still figuring out Instagram. Forget even TikTok. Exactly. But even if I do get on the TikTok platform for a second, it's easy to go and say, what's what's trending? What's creating virality? Oh, let's just copy that. I don't like that. That's not us. What is going to make midday squares explode on TikTok? And the people that are on TikTok want to follow us and want to like and engage with our photos. I'm not there yet. I don't know. You know? Amen. So I think it's about really understanding the platform and knowing what you want to do and who your target is on that platform and then executing. On Instagram, we had a clear vision that we wanted to tell our story. Yep. And we're really using that platform to tell our story. And it fucking works for us. And I think people don't realize as you put out great quality added value content, the inbound is a lot stronger and a lot more work. So think about this. Yes. We all put out great content, our personals and in the business. So you have double the amount of income. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. So I sat, and this is a perfect example to help out our customer team. I sat yesterday to go through our Facebook inboxes and we're putting out content on Facebook. It's not, and it's good content, but Again, it's not the typical CPG content. So mm-hmm. we have all this inbound coming in. I start going through conversations. It took me 45 minutes. Listen to this. Yeah. 45 minutes. I hope everyone hears this that's listening. Any entrepreneur out there. 45 minutes with one of our guests. That's wild. And I said to Joanna, our customer experience lead, I said, I really enjoyed it, but it took a lot of my time. 45 minutes in one day. Yep. Just on one person. That's crazy. But when you don't put out good content, it's not going to be like that. No. And so it's not just about the content and the platforms, but imagine you were putting this out on 10 different platforms. We would need 10 more people doing customer as experience. As long as it remains added value, good content, you'll get the inbound. If you don't- Which we we do. We exactly. don't ever put, we but, don't, yeah. But on that point, you know, something that's really important for me to put out into the world is is exactly that, is that when you are ready, you are ready. And, and, and stop feeling the pressure from the noise that's around you, which takes us back to the idea of less is more. And quality over quantity. Quality over quantity. One thing that I learned early on in my career um, from mentors, the books that we read, obviously, um, is that what is the problem that if you solve, solves the rest of your problems? So usually- Uh, you're close, you're close. (laughs) But when I look at this problem, so I really listen to you, Les, when you come and you're talking about this and, or even when you're speaking to me about the different platforms, what really calms me is that I know that our competitors are getting caught up in the noise and that if we become the biggest chocolate company in the world, by definition, People will want to follow us on Instagram or TikTok or Clubhouse. Wherever we go, the crowd will come. So actually, without even putting the energy per se into those other platforms, if we remain completely obsessively focused on building the biggest and best chocolate company that exists, the people will come to the platform to listen to the story as we build. But you're saying that from like a product standpoint, like just put out great products and get distribution. Well, I'm saying it's kind of 
It's an ecosystem. It is. What I'm saying, though, is that if you remain incredibly focused on the one thing, we've chosen Instagram, that's our story, and content as a whole, right? If we remain incredibly focused on building great products and great content, agnostic to the distribution that exists around it. Yes, I agree. The growth should naturally come. I yes. literally, we've been, we were speaking at CHFA yeah. and it was a great presentation. The CHFA is Canadian Health Food Association. And we got asked to come on to speak about storytelling, power storytelling, which revolves around the content we put out. And we brought up a point about retail distribution. You could sit on a shelf. It doesn't mean it's going to sell. There's 20,000 SKUs. But that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's an ecosystem. What I'm saying is you need content. You need to build a brand while putting out great product onto a shelf. So the point I was trying to say is that I find a lot of entrepreneurs miss the point, though, is so you have marketing and brand. Marketing is your distribution channel. Brand is your ethos of a thing. By building an incredible product, it makes getting yourself out there 10x times more easier than if you don't. So many of our peers in the industry, like you said, come with Me Too products and then try to develop a story around the Me Too product. Very difficult to do that. Yes. You know, there's no soul. And I, I get really frustrated. And this is a question, I don't know if you guys receive it a lot, is how many doors are you in? And, and, And the reason why that frustrates me is it comes back to the quality over quantity. And I tell them, not that many, actually. And they go, but but how are you growing? And I go, because we care to put effort into building those ones out. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with our content. It's we're not dumping content for the sake of dumping and putting no. for the sake of that's putting. The, that's it. It is quality. But I it applies agree, everywhere Nick, in the business. Is, is less is more. And I think at the end of the day, if we take companies like KitKat um, or Reese's, right? Yeah. Who honestly, like I respect those companies. I am a diehard KitKat fan. Die hard because I think they have taken a product. They've taken one skew that's fucking rocked it for, I don't know how many years, 30 plus years, but they've innovated. They have retail stores. They, they have innovation when it comes to their flavors. They have innovation when it comes to their marketing and branding, you know, and, and everybody knows Kit Kat, right? No, I, I agree. You know, less really is more. And this goes down to, to the point of when we started, I always forget we were, when Les and I were running around, there was this gentleman that said, basically, Guys, we were thinking about starting the company with three SKUs. We really were. And I'll never forget, we were told, start with one SKU. Now, this is going to be counterintuitive, he said to us, because nobody's going to want to deal with you. He goes, but I will assure you that if you make it through that barrier of nobody wanting to work with you. With one SKU. With one SKU, it will be the greatest thing you will have ever done because the focus that you will have will be incredible. And if you're gonna try to build a manufacturing business around this, trust me, one skew is very difficult. Could you imagine guys right now, we took three skews and basically elongated it to date. How much juice have we been able to juice out of fajia, almond and peanut butter? Could you imagine if day one, we came out with three skews, then our audience would now expect us to every year come with more SKUs, oh, yeah. more SKUs. And that's a trap I see brands getting caught into is that they train their audience to want more, 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 more. Audiences are gluttonous. They will request more and more from you. Doesn't mean that you have to give it to them. And if you don't give it to them, it doesn't mean that they're going to abandon you. But right. Why do people 
Why do brands come out with three or five SKUs at a time? I'm trying to think because are they insecure about the, and this is deep, is are they insecure about what product is their best one? Is because we well, want there's variety, right? But variety is, is a, you're not, you're it's not kind you're of not meaningless. Your, it's meaningless, yeah. So when I launched Hector, which was my clothing company, I have the answer to I so read, I, I read Tommy Hilfiger's bio, and basically Tommy Hilfiger, who does uh, ready to wear, right? He launched with a single tie. He launched with a tie. That was his first thing. And everybody said that that's just not going to work. You need a full-blown ready-to-wear yeah. line. And he's like, no, like, I'm really good at the tie. And, uh, and, and I mean, it's Tommy Hilfiger. I mean, it's a world-renowned brand, right? So it just goes to show that if you have one really strong skew and you're able to tell a great story, then sometimes less is more. It is, but most of the time, and your consumers, Jake, so you asked a question. The answer in my belief... Repeat the question. So the question is, why do people feel the need to launch with more than one SKU? And the answer, in my opinion, is because they're building for the ecosystem and not the customer. When you yes. show up at a retailer, they actually hate when you don't have more than one SKU because they don't like putting this one little product on the shelf, which, but this is, this is, this is actually makes no sense. Okay. They don't like putting one shell, uh, product on the shelf because it will get lost in their assortment. But then the question is, why don't they just put three facings of the same skew? Which is what we had to convince people to do at the beginning. Well, that was an uphill battle at the beginning, too, is the box getting lost in a big fridge set. Wait, though, on top of that, distributors. Distributors, <laughs> when I, I never forget, I got laughed, I won't name names, by two distributors, called them up, Whole Foods. It was like, hey, we want to carry this product, but we need you to have one of these four distributors. Okay, call up the distributor. Hey guys, we have this. We would like to uh, start distributing. We have like Whole Foods is willing to back us. They're going to place the orders. Oh, but you guys only have one SKU. <laughs> okay. Why does it matter? I, I don't know. I still, so, so that's the answer. So I think I know what the answer is to why. Um, paperwork, they, they don't want to fucking do it. And you know what? That drives me nuts because it always comes down to what I was saying before. There's 20,000 SKUs in the retailer. If you build a brand, your product will fucking sell because people, the army that you build is going to want to come and get, get the your product. product at the store. And shout out to Dude Wipes. I don't know if you guys know this brand, Dude Wipes. I spoke to one of the founders yes. the other day. Big fan of what they he's, do. He's a legend. And he told me he built a community and a big box retail, I'm not going to say the name, didn't, couldn't say a word about it because they knew his army was coming to buy the product. So they listed the product right away and they shoved it in there against the big Procter & Gamble, the other, the other big company. And you know what it showed? It showed that that's the modern way is build a community, build a brand, and your product will sell. Even if you have that one SKU, go out there and make sure people know And focus know where on you being are. the best. If yes. it's one SKU, be the best in that category. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know? the, the modern day way is to build an army. And to Les's point is all that fucking matters is that that army thinks whatever you put into their world is the best. Yes. And if that is one skew, you will go very, very far. That's why the advice that we were given really changed the game for Midday Squares. I think about this all the time. Mm -hmm. What would Midday Squares be if we launched with three skews? I'm not even sure and, we would and, have made it. And let me tell you something on that note. From being in R&D, 
right? We are still actively working on each one of those flavors to to make them the best. Every day I wake up and think, how can we reduce the planty flavor? She just how fired can we? me up. No, but that's the truth. Like, yeah. so I we had to hire a second food scientist just to focus on our SKUs, our current SKUs. So just imagine the resources that requires to be the very best. And then to bring it even full circle to back to this, <laughs> it's an infinite game. Yeah. Because... There's no finite way to make the product better. If it was finite, you wouldn't start the reforms. Exactly. You would just leave it the way it was. Exactly. We're playing an infinite game for our customers. There's no ending. There, so, is, there is no ending. And that's the beauty of what less is more, but always making something just better. Just focus on being the best. But wait, I don't trust. And that's where you, you get caught up in it because your peers that are some, some people are, are launching eight okay. to 10 SKUs a year. Uh, How do you launch eight to 10 SKUs a year with quality? How oh. many, first of all, you can't unless you have like a team Infinite of a hundred food more, scientists, which yeah. nobody who starts off does, or you're at a co-packer where they're just giving you me too products. But at the end of the day, it takes us a minimum of a year to develop a product. We are working on developing a fourth flavor. I'm dropping that right now. A fourth oh, fucking flavor. Shit. I'm not going to tell anybody when, oh, what, shit. why, how, but I'll tell you guys one thing. This flavor requires a very specific look. And when I got this flavor on my desk, the first uh, couple of uh, trials, I looked at the team and I said, guys, I said, the taste is great, Ugh. but I can't, I'll never eat this product. But wait, this is a great story, Jake. So I show up to Les. And I'm like, yo, just, Les, you're being too hard on everybody. Like, it doesn't need to look that way. Like, let's be honest. If it, ta- I it tastes- I get sick. It, when someone says it to me, I get sick. It, it tastes caved, great. Caved, caved. It tastes yeah, great. He, yeah, he goes, it tastes great. I go, I go, so I look at R&D. I said, guys, I need this color. They go, Les, that's impossible. We need coloring, food coloring. I said, don't even talk to me about food coloring. Go back. We have a world full of products and go do some sourcing, go do some research, get into the rabbit holes. And today, eight months later, I'm looking at a product with the yes, color that I, I want. It's gorgeous, eh? It it's is gorgeous. fucking gorgeous. But this is why everybody needs a Les on their team, because I swear I would have said yes to the first, like, it well, R&D to told me it was impossible. Yeah. No, but you're going, your, your head went to the noise. It went to the side of, we do want a new product out. It's always it exciting doubles to revenue. It, it, more, babe, it's going to more than double revenue. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> excuse you. Please and thank you. No, no, no. I've had it with people, conservative views on, on just numbers. Just, babe, I'm so conservative. Babe, 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 just for all the audience to know, Nick and I get excited about things and, and fire the engines of, of, of like going, crazy. To Scott, going to the moon and back. Yeah. And then Leslie comes in, stomping into the conversation and always comes in, puts her hands behind her back and then goes... Wah, well, wah, 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 wah. well, yeah, but, but, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll and then we'll it just, see, we'll then see. Nick and I just get smoked. But anyways, it's always important to have a Leslie on the team because mistakes like the one that Nick was going to make and just say, let's get this through is again, listening to the noise yep. and not listening to it's, making it's powerful. Noise is powerful. I think we all are susceptible to noise. Mm. Of course. And we're human. T- today's show is, you know, as we come to an end, cause it's already the end of the show. It's. Sometimes we got to get in a room, all three of us, and re-talk about it, about how when we started this business, we were late to every social platform. How when we started this business, we were late to the protein bar category. When we started this business, we were late to pretty much everything. And in today's day and age, where all of your competition has shiny, uh, shiny object syndrome, it is actually one of the most incredible tools of competitive advantage 
to be a company that is able to stay calm, cool, collective, and focused. Mm. It's, like put, it's put the beats on, like, you know, put the Dr. Dre beats on and, and block out the noise. Because but that is so powerful because I do have to say, sometimes I get lost in the noise, as do we all. And just, I agree, sitting down and listening and doing what you did today and, and ending on that note um, makes me remember, like, you know, it is so important to just focus on what you have in front of you and when you are ready to, you focus on when the you're thing. ready is the key. Keeping and I think up with the Jones is I dangerous. Think the hardest noise isn't even the media or the things like that, that the friends it's, it's the customer. It's our customers and guests that tell us, Oh, you guys would be so great on TikTok. You guys be so great on clubhouse. You know why it scares me that because we are do, we do everything here for our guests. That's our, that's our core value. That's our first principle thinking. And we want to make the best products. We want to make the best quality content, but sometimes we just don't have the resources. And it's so hard to explain that to our customer because we're trying as hard as our, as hard as we can at 150% to make yeah. their experience the best possible. But when they say that, it's so difficult because you want to, you, you want to say yes. You want to say yes, but the key though, on the ending note of that is just because you say no is to remember that that doesn't mean that they're going to abandon you. Exactly. And on that note, everybody, go out, have an incredible week. Stay focused. Less is more. Three, two, one. Ole, 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 ole. Ole, ole. Ole, 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 ole. Ole, ole. Midday Squares Uncensored. That's a wrap. As always, middaysquares.com slash podcast questions. Be focused. Be calm. Be cool.